0: We're beginning a new series of messages and uh, I want to direct us to the scripture reading for this first Sunday of Advent. It comes from the book of Psalms and we're going to be looking today at Psalm number 13. Hoy vamos a estar mirando el Salmo 13. On the screen there you'll find a page number that indicates where that scripture is located if you're using the Bibles from the back. Si usan la Biblia hacia atrás, la página está conectada con... Con, uh, el texto allí, en las Biblias. Um, if you don't have that Bible from behind, usually if you go about halfway, a little less than halfway in your Bible, you're going to happen upon the collection of Psalms, and you can find it that way as well. También está la mitad más o menos de su Biblia, si la abres, ahí vas a encontrar los Salmos. So this is Psalm 13. It's listed as a Psalm of David. Es un Salmo del Rey David de Israel. And I'm going to read it first in Spanish. And then we'll read it in English. Leo primero en español. So let's uh, open up our eyes, let's open up our ears to receive God's word for us today. Abramos los oídos y los ojos para ver y oír la palabra de Dios. Hasta cuando, Señor, me seguirás olvidando? Hasta cuando esconderás de mí tu rostro? Hasta cuando he de estar angustiado y he de sufrir cada día en mi corazón? ¿Hasta cuándo el enemigo me seguirá dominando? Señor y Dios mío, mírame y respóndeme. Ilumina mis ojos, así no caeré en el sueño de la muerte. Así no dirá mi enemigo, lo he vencido. Así mi adversario no se alegrará de mi caída. Pero yo confío en tu gran amor. Mi corazón se alegra en tu salvación. Canto salmos al Señor. El Señor ha sido bueno conmigo. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. So five years ago, the Oxford Dictionary announced that it was going to add a word to its long official list of words in the English language. Hace cinco años se añadió una palabra importante al diccionario. That's the Oxford Dictionary there. There's millions of words there, thousands of them. And this word was a small word, but this little word reflects a huge change that's come about in our culture Uh, because of the advent of social media. Es una palabra chica que refleja un gran cambio en nuestra cultura por los medios sociales. That little word that five years ago was added to the Oxford English Dictionary was the word selfie. La palabra selfie. Now, I see you smiling, and I'm guessing I don't even need to give you a definition of that word, do I? Ni tengo que definir esa palabra. Because we're living... In a day and age now where just about anybody with a cell phone can pull it out, take a selfie, a picture of themselves, and instantly they can transmit that image to people all over the globe. En un momento te puedes sacar una foto y la imagen a muchos alrededor del mundo. And the wordless message that is behind the selfie is basically this. Look at me. Look at me, look at my face, look at what I'm doing, look at where I'm going, look at what I'm eating, look at my body, look at my skills, look at me, mírame a mí, lo que estoy haciendo, comiendo, a donde voy, mírame a mí. And that reflects, I think, a profound desire that we have as human beings, who doesn't want to be noticed? Who doesn't want to be seen? Es un deseo humano, queremos que la gente nos vea. We, we want that. There's something powerful about being seen. Es algo poderoso. Actors and athletes live to be seen for their talents. Los actores y los atletas quieren que la gente los vea, vea sus talentos. Young girls in our day and age want to be seen. They want to be seen for their makeup, for their clothes, for their beauty. Las muchachas quieren que la gente vea su belleza, su, su ropa, etc. Young boys want to be seen for their muscles and for the stupid things that they can do. You understand? Los muchachos quieren que, que la gente vea sus músculos y sus tonterías. You know, when you go to a party, or even this morning when you walked into this service, no one came in here today saying, I hope that nobody sees me. I hope I'm just invisible. Nadie llega a la iglesia dice, no quiero que la gente me vea. There's something inside of us that says, I want to be noticed. Queremos que la gente se fije en nosotros. Well, today as we look into Psalm number 13, we find here the prayer of a man who wanted that, but he wanted something deeper than that. This is, as I said before, the prayer of King David, the king of Israel, David, de Israel. Now, here's a man, if you want to say, he was seen by a lot of people as the king of Israel. Everybody knew who David was. But David's prayer is not to be seen by people. What David is after is to be noticed by and seen by God. And I believe that, that this prayer of David can, can really have something to say to us. It can, it can help us to understand better what we are truly looking for in our selfie, selfish culture in which we live. Esto nos puede ayudar en nuestra cultura de la selfie. So let's take a closer look at it. In the first two verses, uh, Bible scholars tell us that these two verses are basically what's called a lament. Los primeros versículos son un lamento. That, that is, in the first two verses, David is giving an expression of his sadness and his, his grief. Es una expresión de luto. And this lament actually comes in the form of a litany or a list of complaints that David is pouring out before God. Es una litanía, una lista de quejas que tiene. David, and these complaints all begin with the question, how long? Four times here, David asks that question. How long? Cuatro veces pregunta, ¿hasta cuándo? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? ¿Hasta cuándo, Señor, me seguirás olvidando? How long will you hide your face from me? Hasta cuando esconderás de mí tu rostro? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Hasta cuando he de estar angustiado y he de sufrir cada día mi corazón? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Hasta cuando el enemigo me seguirá dominando? David here evidently is going through a season of some deep inner struggle. He's going through a season where he's being battered by negative thoughts and, and feelings of depression, feelings of sadness. Está pasando un tiempo de una lucha interior, de depresión, de tristeza. But that inner struggle that David's going through is connected to what's going on outside of him. There's an outer struggle as well. Hay una lucha por fuera también. Evidently, somehow, some way, some enemy is pressing hard on David, and we can figure out there are a number of stories that this would fit. But some enemy is getting the upper hand on David, and there seems to be no relief in sight. There, there seems to be no escape from it. Algun enemigo está superando, dominándolo, y parece que no hay ningún escape. And this, this situation just seems interminable. It's going on, and because of that. David comes to the point of believing that God has actually forgotten him. That God literally has turned his face away and no longer notices what's going on in David's life. Dios de él And so then he cries out this question four times. How long? How long? Long do I have to go suffering unnoticed by you, God? ¿Hasta cuándo tengo que sufrir sin que te fijes en mí, Dios? There's a saying we use a lot. Time flies when you're having fun, right? El tiempo vuela cuando uno se divierte, se dice. I think the opposite is also true. When you are suffering, time seems to drag on on without mercy. It just seems to almost stop. Cuando sufres se hace muy pesado el tiempo. And that's what David is expressing here. Time has seemingly stood still and nothing is changing. Perhaps you understand because you this morning are in a situation like that. Or maybe you've just been in a situation like that. A mejor estás en una situación así. There's some problem that has come upon you and it's bigger than you and it's, it's just taking forever to, to go anywhere and it seems like the days just drag on one after the other and there's absolutely no sense that anything is going to change or get better. No hay ningún sentido de que todo va a cambiar. And it's hard. Why? Because we like to be in control. We like to think that we're in the driver's seat of our lives. Queremos pensar que estamos detrás del volante de nuestra vida. But in situations like that, you become very aware that you're in the back seat. You're not in the front seat. estás detrás. And like a little two-year-old in the back seat on a 1,000-mile road trip, we're going through this situation, and, and it's so tempting to say, How long? Are we there yet, God? When are we going to get to that place where it gets better? Ya llegamos, Dios. (laughs) Perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you are there. That's where David is. Now, when it comes to waiting, we need to understand that we have nothing on the people of Israel. Los israelitas tuvieron que esperar más. The Bible tells us that they had to wait 400 years to be delivered from slavery in Egypt. 400 400 years. It's hard to wrap our minds around that. That's the entire history of North America, practically. And... and it was after four hundred years. Now, get this picture. After four hundred years, finally in Exodus three seven, God appears to Moses out of a burning bush. Después de años, Dios le aparece Moisés en una What does He say to Moses in Exodus three seven? He says, "I have indeed seen the misery of my people." Suffering in Egypt. Ciertamente he visto la presión que sufre mi pueblo en Egipto. God was looking. God was seeing their misery. God noticed. But it took him 400 years to even know that. Les llevo 400 años para saber que Dios había visto su miseria. That's a long time. And so it's in light of that history of Israel that we find David asking this question, and his question in light of that seems to be especially poignant, especially painful. La pregunta de David parece aún así, penosa. How long, God? How long will it be till you see me? Hasta cuando, Señor? You almost wonder if David's thinking, is it going to be 400 years this time? ¿Van a ser 400 años esta vez? But here's the thing. David's lament, David's grief, does not, in the end, lead him to despair. Su luto, lamento no le lleva la desesperación. Instead, what we find, beginning in verse three, is that David's grief leads him to prayer, to prayer, not to despair. Lleva la oración, no la desesperación. Look at verses three and four. David prays. He says. Look on me and answer, O oh Lord, my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Señor y Dios mío, mírame, respóndeme, ilumina mis ojos. Así no caeré en el sueño de la muerte. Así, así no dirá mi enemigo, lo he vencido. Así mi adversario no se alegrará de mi caída. Look on me, answer me. Mírame, respóndeme. It's a simple prayer, right? Look at me. It's a simple prayer, but it's not simplistic. It's una oración simple, pero no simplista. Because David isn't just saying, look at me like we, when we take a selfie, say look at me. He's not just saying, you know, here's my photo, God. I'm going to put it up on Instagram. See, See that I'm here. No está diciendo solo mírame como si tuviera una selfie. No, he's not saying just look at me. He's saying look on me. Fix your gaze on me, God. Focus on me. Fija tu mirada en me, Señor. David is not just asking for God's attention here. He's asking for something more. He wants something more than God's attention. He wants God's intervention. No solo quiere la atención de Dios, sino su intervención. He wants God to step in. He wants God to light the way. In fact, he says, give light not only to my path, but to my eyes. Give me light or I'm going to die. My enemy's going to have the victory and gloat over me. Dame luz a los ojos para que mi enemigo no me supere, para que no caiga en sueño de muerte. David wants God to bless him. Quiere la bendición de Dios. In a sense, I think what David is looking for is the blessing that Israel was looking for. And in fact, it's the blessing that God gave to Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 6.24. I want you to take a look at this blessing. Es la bendición 6.24 que David busca. This is the, the blessing that Moses and Aaron were to pronounce over the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace Jehová te bendiga y te guarde Jehová haga resplandecer su rostro sobre ti y tenga de ti misericordia Jehová alce sobre ti su rostro y ponga en ti paz The Lord turn his face upon you The Lord make his face shine upon you. That's what David is looking for, for God's face to shine upon him. David quiere que la cara de Dios resplandezca sobre I see... That's a desire that not only David had, it was the desire of all of Israel to live in this blessing of God. Israel quería vivir en esta bendición. But it goes even further back if we trace back this desire to, to have God's face shine upon people, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Eso va hasta Génesis capítulo 3. When Adam and Eve were kicked out, banished from the Garden of Eden. Y Eva fueron expulsados huerto de Edén. They had to leave that place of blessing and, and fullness and God's face in a sense was turned away from them. They were no longer able to enjoy the fellowship of God, to see God face to face, to be with him. Ya no mirar a Dios en la cara y Dios no tenía su rostro sobre ellos. Why did God turn his face away from Adam and Eve? Because they first turned their face away from him. Ellos voltearon la mirada de Dios. They sinned. And so now that prayer, look on me, Lord. Mírame, Señor. That's not just the prayer of David. It's not just the prayer of Israel. That's the prayer of the entire sinful human race la oración no de David solo de Israel sino de toda la raza humana pecaminosa it's a simple prayer but it's really a simple prayer for Christmas it's a simple prayer for Christmas es una oración simple para la Navidad and it's a prayer that I want to invite us to enter into today and this week as we start this season called Advent. Aaron and Martin talked a little bit about what that means. It means coming. Hoy queremos orar esto al comenzar el adviento. This season of preparation, this season of expectation as we look forward to, to celebrating and, and, and entering into the understanding of Christ's coming to earth that's the prayer that I want to encourage us to have on our lips but here's the difference aquí la diferencia we can pray that prayer look on me today in a different way than David could we can pray that prayer in a different way than Adam and Eve could podemos orar de forma diferente distinta a Dan y Eva y a David why? because God's already answered that prayer Dios ya contestó esa oración look with me at 2nd Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through, or actually verse 6 in there. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Paul writes about this. He says, here's the deal. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, Dios que ordenó que la luz resplandeciera las tinieblas y sobrillar su luz en nuestro corazón para que conociéramos la gloria de Dios que resplandece en el rostro de Cristo. God created the world out of the chaos and darkness. He said, "Let there be light," and creation came into being. Dios hizo el mundo, dijo que haya luz, y hubo luz. But now, now at just the right time, God has spoken into the chaos and darkness of sinful human hearts and said, let there be light. And he has given us light, Paul says, the light of his glory, how in the face of Christ. Dios ha dado su luz en nosotros en el rostro de Cristo. You see, this is a prayer that God has already answered. When we go through times of trial, when we go through times of suffering, when we go through times when it just seems like things aren't going to work out and things will never change and it's always going to drag on like this, we can look up and we can say, look on me, Lord, and we can pray that prayer in a different way. We can say, look on me, Lord, knowing that God has already looked on us in Jesus. Podemos orar, mírame Señor, sabiendo que Dios ya nos, no, nos miró en Jesús. Jesús es God looking on us. He is God who has come down into creation and He's looking on us with a human face. He's looking on us with human eyes to see our need. Jesús es Dios mirando a nosotros con una cara humana, con ojos humanos. Jesus has come down and he's lived among us and he's died for our sins and he's risen again from the dead to answer the prayer of David, which is really our prayer. El murió, resucitó para contestar esa oración de David to give light to our eyes so that we will not sleep in death, so that the enemy will not overcome us and rejoice over us Satan hell death sin our enemies are overcome el ha muerto resucitado para que tengamos luz en los ojos y para que podamos tener victoria sobre el enemigo it's good news and that prayer look on me as I said it's already been answered in Jesus ya se ha contestado esa oración mírame en Señor Jesús God's personally come down in in a human face. Get that. In a human face. Now here's the battle that we face. We, as I said a few weeks ago, we're swimming in a secular ocean. Estamos nadando en este océano secular, and there is a great tide, a great surge of unbelief in our day and age. It is hard for people to accept and believe this—that God would actually be here, that God would be in His creation. Es difícil que la gente acepte que Dios está aquí. And part of the roots of that come from a, a, a philosophy. A teaching that began to develop about 200 years ago—it's uh, called Deism—and you probably never heard of that. But Deism has something to do with our lives every day because uh, even a lot of Christians are—they're not Christian in their way of seeing God—they're actually deist. What's the difference? Well, Deism is basically this idea that when God created the world. He basically wound up the world like a clock or he, he set up the world like a computer program and then he just kind of walked off and left us to kind of figure it out on our own. With our own intelligence and our own logic and reason. Es la idea que Dios dio la cuerda del mundo como a un reloj y se fue y nosotros tenemos que descifrar todo con nuestra propia razón. It's is the idea that, that God's really not involved in our world. God, if anything, he's, he's kind of like this landlord, you know. And, and he lives in the apartment above, and we live in the apartment below, and he doesn't bother us, and we don't bother him. Dios está como arriba, como propietario que nos alquila el apartamento de abajo. And, and what, that's great in some ways because, you see, if he's not around, we can party it up. And life is good, and we're in charge, and that's good. But what happens when the plumbing's broke? What happens when something starts to catch fire in our lives? What happens when death comes knocking? Dios está ahí arriba, podemos hacer fiesta hasta que vengan los problemas. And that's where our world gets very skeptical and says, you know what, when we suffer, either God doesn't care or he doesn't exist. O Dios no nos mira o no existe. Bible scholar N.T. Wright says, here's the problem. Deism historically produces atheism. Deismo produce historicamente ateismo. First you make God a landlord, and then you make him an absent landlord, and then at the end he just becomes absent. He's not there at all. Primero Dios es un propietario, después un propietario ausente, después simplemente ausente. But you see, that's not the God of the Bible God didn't just make the world and, and walk away. it's interesting that this teaching of deism came from a time in history known as the Enlightenment. del siglo de luces and yet what a dark, sad way of looking at God. See the reality is that there is a way to see that God is here, that God is with us in our suffering. una manera de ver que Dios está ahí. And David himself gives it to us. Let's go and look at verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 13, versículo 5 y 6. This is what David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been Good to me, Pero yo confío. En tu gran amor. Mi corazón se alegra en tu salvación. Salmos al Señor, el Señor ha sido bueno conmigo. What David's doing here as he's praying is he's actually speaking out and declaring his faith in God. David declara su fe en Dios. He's trusting in God even though he cannot see God. He is trusting that God sees him even though he can't see. You know what that's called? That's called faith. Eso es la fe. Faith is a way of seeing not with our physical eyes but with our spirit. La fe es ver con el Espíritu, no con los ojos. The Bible says, faith is the assurance of things not seen. La certeza de lo que no se ve. Another verse says, who hopes for what he doesn't see? If we hope, who hopes for what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it in faith. Con fe. David is expressing trust and he says, I rejoice in your salvation. What? Where? I don't see any salvation around here. David does by faith. I rejoice in your salvation. I sing to the Lord. You've been good to me. Me alegro en tu salvación. Cantos salmos al Señor. The salvation that David is rejoicing in is the salvation that we rejoice in today. Because the salvation we rejoice in is not an idea. It is not a pipe dream. It's not an illusion. It's a person. La salvación de Dios no es una ilusión. Es una persona. The salvation David was rejoicing in that we rejoice in is Jesus who's come. Es Jesús que ha venido. So you see, even as David says to God, look on me, what is he doing? He's looking on God. That's faith. Al decir, mírame, Señor, David está mirando a Dios. So this is the challenge and the opportunity that the scripture would have for us today. Look on Jesus, who is God, looking on you. And you will be saved. You will be delivered. You will be rescued. You have been rescued. Mira Jesús quien es Dios mirando a nosotros y serán salvos. I don't know if any of you have heard of Charles Spurgeon. Some of you may have great preacher of the 19th century British, un predicador británico del otro del siglo pasado, antepasado. Charles Spurgeon tells a story of his conversion as a young man. Habla de su conversión. He was in his teenage years and he was racked by fits of depression, sadness, hopelessness, just like a lot of our teens today are, things haven't changed. He was wracked by all kinds of doubts and fears. Él luchaba con depresión, con miedo, con temores. One Sunday in 1850, it was a snowy, wintry day. Un domingo de invierno, había una nevada. Charles Spurgeon was walking along and he stepped into a small chapel, a small church, to get out of the cold, se puso en una capilla para escapar del frío and there was a little service going on. Fewer people than are here today, maybe a couple dozen people. Había un par de docenas de personas ahí and it was such a small group they didn't even have a, a, a professional preacher. They had a shoemaker, an uneducated shoemaker was the designated preacher that day. Un zapatero no preparado daba el mensaje and he was preaching on Isaiah chapter 45, 22. Turn to me, look to me, you ends of the earth, and be saved. Meeting me los confines de la tierra y serán salvos. And the shoemaker turned preacher said, It says here in the text, look at me, look to me, meeting me. It ain't no pain to look. No es un problema para mirar. I mean, it's not work like lifting your leg or lifting your finger. It just says look. No se requiere ningún esfuerzo para mirar. You don't have to go to college to look. No hay que ir a la universidad para mirar. You don't have to be worth millions to look. No tienes que tener millones para mirar. You can be the biggest fool around, and yet you can look. Why, even a little child knows how to look. Jesus says, look to me. Look at me, I'm hanging on the cross. Mírame, estoy colgado una cruz, Jesús. Look at me, I'm dead, I'm buried. Mirame, estoy muerto y sepultado. Look at me, I've raised again from the dead. Look at me, mirame, he resucitado de los muertos. Mirame. And young Charles Spurgeon, who was so focused on his problems and his depression, looked at Jesus. He lifted his eyes and trusted in Jesus Christ and his life was completely changed from that point. levantó la vista, Charles y miró al Señor y fue salvo. That's the opportunity we have in Advent. That's the opportunity we have today. Look on me, Lord. And he says, Yes. As you pray that prayer, you too look at me. Mírame, Señor, decimos, y él nos dice, mírame a mí. I want to invite you to pray that prayer this week with me. Just that simple prayer for Christmas. Look, look at me. And I also want to make this invitation if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, here is an opportunity. Here, now, turn away your gaze from your old, sinful, destructive ways. And lift your gaze to Jesus. Voltea tu mirada de tus pecados y mira Jesús. In fact, we have a prayer corner here as we conclude our service. I'll be over there and maybe there are some others that will join me. And we'd love to pray with you to help you simply to look to Jesus Christ. Nothing else could be more important today than for you to do that queremos orar por ustedes tenemos un rincón ahí después del servicio voy a estar ahí para orar con los que necesiten eso look to Jesus who is God looking on you miren a Jesús que es Dios mirando a ustedes let's pray together vamos a orar Lord, write this word upon our hearts and lift the scales from our eyes. Quita las escamas de nuestros ojos, Señor. That wherever we go this week, whatever we do, may we simply see Jesus. Que podamos ver donde quiera que viajamos. Donde quiera que vayamos que podamos ver a Jesús. Thank you Lord Jesus that you are the one who sees us. You are God and we are so grateful. Gracias Señor por ser Dios que nos mira. It's in your name that we pray. In tu santo nombre pedimos esto. Amén.